everyone, and welcome to our His Dark Materials podcast, hosted by Swizzbold and Bald Move, a joint production. I'm your host, Cecily. I'm your co-host, Alexis. And today we are talking about episode four, Tower of the Angels. Ooh, Alexis, what are your thoughts on this episode? A lot of cool stuff. A lot of cool stuff happened. A lot of interesting stuff for me as a book reader. It, it, I, and it's stuff I can't really talk about yet, <laughs> but I could just say there were some interesting like combinations of things that I wasn't expecting to see quite yet. Nice. Have you read the books recently uh, to I, compare to the series or, or what? Yes. I went through uh, very quickly and scanned the subtle knife up to here. Sort of, I had to skip over all of the, the Will intro stuff because they already did that in the first season. Mm-hmm. But yes, I have refreshed refreshed my knowledge. So in the books, uh, a lot of the introductory Will stuff happened in the second book, but in the show, this... they kind of mix it into the first season. Yeah, they do. It makes a lot more sense to do it that way, I think. Yeah. Or, I mean, I you know, from my experience, it looks like it played out really well. Um, yeah, there was a... I like this episode. There was a lot of action. Mm-hmm. Uh, kicking doors and kicking ass. And <laughs> Taking no names. Yeah, and I, you know, we as the audience got the opportunity to, like, squee about having more information <laughs> about than the characters do. Especially when it comes to Lee and Stanislaw slash Japari talking, or Mm -hmm. slash, what's his name? I forget his name. Will's dad. John 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 Perry. Perry. Yeah. Talking about, well, I I just can't speak for the character of the person who wields the knife now. And it just, it was really fun. Made me giddy to hear that. (laughs) It was nice. It's also nice to be able to tell some, tell a character in your head. Oh, it's good. Don't worry. It's not actually bad. It's not a bad surprise. It's a good surprise. Right. How rare is that? Yeah. Um, but, you know, and Will and Lyra have that in common in that their parents are made of some strong stuff. Mm-hmm. But Definitely. they are made of stronger stuff because they came from it and learned from it, if that makes any sense. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? I could see that. Like, uh, you know, Mrs. Coulter and Asriel independently are kind of bad people, but Lyra herself, given the right circumstances, is that strong of a person who's making the right decisions just based on her own information. She she has a compassion, I think, a compassion mm-hmm. that her parents, uh, let's say, they lack. Lack, yeah. <laughs> Don't know where she got it from. It's not genetic. No. Clearly. No. Um, You know, and I'm also thinking, it occurred to me in this episode that this season uh, strikes me as being a lot better than the first. I wonder how much of that is that it is better and how much of it is we don't have anything to compare it to now other than the book. Right. Exactly. The first season, the first book is so dark. Mm-hmm. is so so dark and we're getting into the second season and you know i haven't read the second book but it seems like it takes that much time for things to become hopeful and i hate comparing that to any other tv show where anyone else recommends a show and they say well 
you know, you just have to get into it. You have to get into a few episodes. You have to really, when the second season hits, it really hits its stride. Right. But, but I mean, this is the way the story was meant to play out. Things are dark. Things are grim. And the light comes towards the middle or end of the t- tunnel, so to speak. Uh, I, I don't know. If I hadn't have read the book first, I, I'm mm-hmm. wondering how much I would have really stuck around for the first season especially since it's very YA and it could be tough. It could be tough for a lot of people, (laughs) but the second season really, you know, makes it a a story worth telling and worth watching and worth investing in. I think it's bringing in a lot more of the, the core elements of the series as a whole, as opposed to just being so much about Lyra's world and the rules of how it works like the first season was, introducing you to the idea even of a magisterium. Now we get to say, here are these deeper core concepts like dark matter and shadows and dust that are all apparently the same thing. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? And we're actually moving the the steps of the prophecy forward because Mm -hmm. they have the knife now. Things are moving along, finally. The Mm -hmm. first season did tend to feel a little slow. In some ways, I slow and dark, yeah, slow and dark, yeah. <laughs> they they went a bunch of places, but it didn't. I don't know. It didn't feel the same, and it might just be my my predilection toward adventure mm-hmm. stories. It's starting to feel more like an adventure story now, right? Exactly. And the first season, all we had to hang our hat on was Lyra. Hopefully, uh, 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 what I mean by that is, in a hopeful way. We invested in her carrying forward the fate of the world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's nice to really see that, you know, seeing her have a companion other than Pan, yeah. which is herself. So I don't consider that really a companion. Uh, someone mm-hmm. on her side, someone who has more connections than even she or he know. Okay, so yeah. speaking of the prophecy, we open this episode with... The forging of the knife, which I don't know, maybe I've spent too much time in Lord of the Rings fandom and Game of Thrones <laughs> fandom, but I am I need a whole series devoted to how they forge the knife, how they can make such an such a device that can do right. so many things, because, you know, there are so many magical properties that are imbued in this thing. And it was very I mean, I hope it was purposefully made to do exactly what it's doing so definitely especially that no i don't think so is it a spoiler to ask you like how (laughs) it was made were the witches involved tell me everything uh i don't know it's not a spoiler to ask me how it's made because (laughs) i don't fucking know okay (laughs) but i i know that there are two sides or two spirally bits to the knife which is a really cool design, by the way. I never pictured it that way in my so head cool, yeah. from the books, but it, it totally works. Um, but we know that one side of that knife is basically the same blade that uh, Mrs. Coulter mm-hmm. ended up, her or her scientists, I should say, ended up devising mm-hmm. to separate kids from their demons. So we're aware of that process or metal or whatever it is. Yeah. Like some kind of extra special sky iron, I don't know. Sky, <laughs> but the other, but the other blade, the one that looks all, the other side that looks all dirty. Mm-hmm. Don't know anything about that. It's cool as hell though. 
All right. We've got things that even you don't know. It's true. Inconceivable. <laughs> so we but get it's some. True. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So we get some confirmation that well, the bearer of the knife is named the bearer, <laughs> and the knife is named the subtle knife, and you know we've heard about the guild in a few previous episodes, and that the tower that we've seen is a monument to the knife itself, and the knife is hidden within it. I, I just have so many questions. Does that mean that <laughs> the monument or the monument, the tower itself was built and the knife was hidden within until the first bearer came forward and was able to find it? And does that mean that the bearer is, you know, trapped into the tower? Not trapped, but stuck in the tower to bear it and, uh, you know, be a kind of resource for people who may need it? It's um, a good question. Yeah, I have a lot of questions about that. It's a monument to the knife and the knife's hidden within. Uh, mankind, we do know that mankind chose to use it for their own benefit instead of the benefit of all. Shocking. So that created specters and they came forth because of it. The rift that Asriel created when he passed through also made the specters create a, you know, a flood of themselves. And that's what really tore Chittigatsi apart. Right. So that's all very interesting. Do you have any thoughts on that? It is very interesting. I, so the voice that is speaking this, this narration, I said it was witches. I, I don't think it is. I think it's the voice that is speaking to Mary Malone oh. later on in the episode and that and it declares itself or, you know, itself and all the other things around it as angels. Okay. But in the credits of the show, the the closing credits, they credit a um it starts with an X. Z Zephaniel, maybe. Hmm. Zephaniel. Which is an angel name. It's Zephania or Zephania. I'm not sure. I haven't heard it out loud yet. Okay. And I won't tell you. I won't tell you who that is because I think that would be. A, don't don't Google it. Don't Google anything. I'm not going to Google for it. this. <laughs> no, you. I'm talking to everybody within the sound of my voice. Don't Google anything because you'll be like three clicks away from totally spoiling <laughs> yes. the entire series for yourself. So yes. Just In episode one, I Googled the spelling of Stanislaw and got full spoilers. So, I mean, I know now that it's been revealed, so I can say that, but... (laughs) Right. They credit him as Will Perry in the show. They didn't even say, like, John Perry. Yeah, sorry. John Perry. That's fine. What? (laughs) I can't keep up. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. You're not supposed to know that's Will. (laughs) (laughs) It's Will is actually John, his own father? Oh, Christ. Oh, no. Are we watching Dark again? What happened? (laughs) Yeah. Ugh. Uh, so, uh, we've got this kind of broken down. The rest of our notes are kind of broken down by what everyone is doing. So I want to talk about Lyra and Will now. They, they're looking at the tower. They decide they need to uh, explore further and pan as a butterfly or colorful moth (laughs) leads Lyra to the secret tower entry door. And I love how they 
they kick this in instead of i don't know just <laughs> knocking to see what happens they go first yeah. to kicking i know even will is over it at this point he's like no just just get through this <laughs> yeah will answers the tower first and then they find the current bearer giacomo paradisi and he has just been recently attacked by a boy who stole his knife um and that boy reappears quickly Mm-hmm. Uh, um, more questions <laughs> more <laughs> questions I'm I'm rolling around in my mind but you know their timing is perfect which you know uh, you know magic and fate and all of those things I'm willing to accept and forgive <laughs> their when timing it comes is to perfect. like yeah timing what do you mean he he had just been I assume he had just been recently tied up Giacomo mm. And the boy stole the knife. Right. And he stayed within the tower, mm-hmm. which is why it makes me think. And he came right back up to attack them, which is why I feel like it's recent. He wasn't laying in wait for weeks with Giacomo tied up. You know what I mean? I see. Okay. Um. Even though I believe this person is the same person that Angelica was talking about when she... Or her sister accidentally name dropped this person mm-hmm. who's missing. Right. Tolliver, something like that. Yeah. Something I, like that. I think it's the same person because he goes to find her later, Angelica later, and calls out her name before he's taken. Mm-hmm. So this person, Tolliver, or whoever his name is, <laughs> Tolliver Travels. He he comes back up, finds that Will and Lyra are there, and attacks them, and effortlessly slices through this angel on the parapet, whatever it is, and you can see just how sharp and precise this this weapon is. And then he attacks Will. Uh, they jump through the window. Giacomo and Lyra pull them back in. Pan adorably tries to get the knife. <laughs> I love that he fumbles yeah. with it. Like I've got the knife, but he can't even. He he doesn't. Awesome. Um, and then and Lyra, and, yeah, Lyra and Pan get simul kicked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and Will loses two fingers in the process, but he wins the fight. That's the important part, right? Yeah, it's Absolutely. so cool to get to see this knife uh, do its thing. It's like cutting things on a molecular level. Yeah. It's like it's slicing between the molecules. How cool is that? Right. So crazy. And boy, fingers are a lot softer than metal uh, pulpit statues. Yeah. And slices through things on a metaphysical level. Yeah. It can can kill immortals. It slices your demons. Yeah. But after this interaction, Giacomo reveals that he knows they're not of this world because he's seen a demon before. And the knife chooses a bearer by claiming their fingers. Yeah, that's so that explains that uh, statue that we saw in the opening exposition that had two shortened little stumpy fingers. Oh, I missed that. Yep. They showed that in the opening, like... They did. They didn't, like, say anything about it, but they... They showed it, it. okay. Yeah, they painted. I guess I probably wrote it off as, like, a special salute or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, folded down fingers instead of literally cut off. Huh. Right. Uh, So then he explains that there are two sides to this knife, two edges. 
Um, one that can cut any material, specters, you know, the Bolvanger separator that we've seen. And the other side can cut between worlds. So uh, cool. If you use a knife and the mine simultaneously, then you can cut between worlds. And it takes exactly, I don't know, two hours to learn this technique. <laughs> if you're the Baron, <laughs> then a, that's fine. He's a fast learner. <laughs> <laughs> or so, or so Giacomo says. Yeah. Will goes into this deep knife Jedi training and he can't clear his mind, but Lyra, she knows a thing or two about that. She does. Is this the point where we get to see Pan touching Will? Willingly? Willingly? Yes. Or is that later on? <laughs> Pan uh, comforts Will in this moment, and touching a another human is so foreign for a demon. It's just unheard of, even in even in love or comfort, things like that. So Will and Will and Lyra have this very special connection happening here. Um, and Lyra seems so surprised. Maybe she didn't realize she was going to do it herself. We remember right. Pan is part. Pan is part of her. Yeah, Pan's like, was, no, it's 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 cool. I like him. It was very sweet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he learns how to not only cut open doorways between worlds, but also to close them with his soul fingertips. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of this podcast is lost on the people who can't see us interacting with yeah, each other. <laughs> yeah, there was some there was some very good uh, Cecily deep, deep in meditation, dragging down of the fingers action going on there. That was good. I enjoyed that. I forgot to talk because I enjoyed it so much. <laughs> I was just watching. You. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, they answered my question as I was asking it in this scene. And that was, you know, uh, you can open this doorway, but who closes it? Mm -hmm. um, the other question I have is, can you close someone else's doorway? Even I if mean, you didn't open it, because one of the rules is to always close the doorway. And we know that there are doorways that are open that very much look like they were made with a knife. Yeah. Boreal and Coulter know that all too well. Mm -hmm. They do. Um, so let's talk about the rules for the knife. <laughs> yeah. First, never open a window without closing it. We just talked about that. Mm -hmm. Two, never let anyone else use the knife. Even though they can, you should not let it happen. Uh, three, don't be base about using it. Don't flaunt it. Don't be a shithead and and just use it to open your packages. <laughs> I mean, have some yeah, respect that, for the knife. That feels more like a guild rule than an actual <laughs> right. knife rule, but all right, sure. Um, and fourth is keep it secret. Keep it safe. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Mm-hmm. Like all of your, what are they called? MacGuffins? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Classic MacGuffin rules. <laughs> um, so Giacomo says, or wisely informs Will that his friend with the demon is wise. And, you know, we've all seen it. He's seen it. Uh, so, okay, more questions for you. And maybe you can't answer them. I'll but answer what I can. I'm going to pose them anyway. Sure. Why is Will free from the constraints of the tower? Why is Giacomo, Giacomo stuck in this tower forever? 
I, or maybe I, he's not. I don't think he is. I think he's there because it's a place that is small and nobody can get to him, including mm. the children. The only thing he has between himself and death by the specters is the knife. So. I feel that. I'm very much more afraid of children than I am specters of death. <laughs> yeah. Same, honestly. But I'm not. One of these is a lot louder than the other. I tell you that. <laughs> Kids. No. <laughs> no, uh, so I don't think he has trapped in the tower. Okay, so he maybe he just returned there at the end of life, or maybe when the doorway opened, he returned there to pass the knife on to the next bearer. Do you know when your time is up? Right. I mean, he, he might have just gotten caught in this huge flood of demons that came out whenever uh, Azrael's door opened. Mm. This huge flood of specters. Did I say that? Uh, you said... I said demons, which is not... That's very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> specters. Huge specters. flood of specters. Specter flood. Just all dusty. It's yeah. Dusty flood. So the knife is also kind of a, a form of protection against the specters. It's the only thing that can hurt them, I think. So Giacomo says that he wants to die privately or have a soul taken privately. Whatever is going to happen, it's not for Will and Lyra to see. But what happens is that the specters come in through the open window. Giacomo is drunk, has, you know, drank some kind of poison. And mm-hmm. he, he killed himself before, in an epic power move, has killed himself before they could reach him. Dies with a smile on his face. Yeah. That's that's the dream. Yeah. And um, as just as kind of a callback from the first or second episode, I, I can't remember which time we saw uh, Will and Lyra cross into Chittagatze, but we saw a man without his soul. Mm-hmm. And it's it's pretty it's pretty grim. So. That's just not a life worth living, I think, in this person's mind. So he takes his own life before. Um, yeah, just, seems like a seems like a pretty painful process too. The yeah. whole getting your soul sucked out thing. It's not it's not as uh, romantic as it is in Harry Potter. There's <laughs> right. no kiss involved. It's just the whole body <laughs> scouring. So yeah, I mean, we've also seen. I mean. In the first season, we've seen children without their demons, and they are lost souls. But it seems like adults are just living zombies. And, you mm-hmm. know, the longer you go, the more painful it is, it feels like. Definitely. So this kind of comes at the end of the episode, but I want to talk about it now. This loose boy who tried to steal the knife and was kicked out leaves the tower, wanders around the city until after dark with the specters searching for him. And he finds Angelica and calls out for her in a window. And I think this is their brother or, you know, just the the man that they mentioned. And he is taken. He's taken hard by the specters. It seems like they, you know, he crumples. His body is just gone once they take him. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that means that he you know, becomes one of those living dead type of people or, or what? It seemed like a pretty extreme attack. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good question because if, if all that happens is that they become living zombies, 
why aren't there still at least like a handful of these zombie adults walking around Chitagatse, right? Right. We just see that one uh, adolescent early on. I don't. It was the last. I don't. Episode two, maybe. Yeah. Is when that happened. We just see that one person. Where are all the other adults? Like just having their souls sucked out is not. It's not the answer. Right. That's where. Yeah. I have a lot of questions about that. That mm-hmm. we see that there was this devastating attack after Asriel crossed over, and a lot of souls were taken from the specters because there was this flood. It feels like we should see a lot more zombified type of adults wandering around because all the adults who managed to escape with their children fled for the hills. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if this is important at all. It just feels like maybe there should be more of those sort of soulless adults wandering around. Because where would they go and why would they go anywhere? Exactly. Lyra and Will resolve to steal the alethiometer back because Will is the rightful bearer of the knife. And I don't know if Boreal knew that. I don't know if anyone knew that before Will arrived there. Right. He's the rightful wielder of the knife and Lyra is the rightful wielder of the alethiometer. So they're going to make a plan to steal it back. They've both been charged with these important tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's where they go from here. Yep. It's <laughs> it's so <laughs> fucked up to see Will taking this bath and uh, dealing with these cut off fingers. Yeah, without... he seems like he's really having a hard time. Yeah, it would be so I hard. That, I hope that doesn't get infected. There's like a yeah. whole there's a whole subplot in the Dark Tower series about a dude losing a couple of his fingers and almost dying from infection Mm. because he's just out in the wild. Yeah. I was wondering why (laughs) uh, Giacomo and Lyra didn't uh, cauterize the wound while Lyra, or Mm -hmm. I mean, while Will was passed out. Like, do something, guys. Right. Just anything. Wrapping (laughs) one layer of bandages around it. Yeah, probably not sufficient. and when he woke up, he had already bled through those. It's just I'm yeah. worried. I'm not really Me that too. worried. I don't think he's gonna die from this, but I'm worried about his hand. <laughs> At the very least, he's in distress, and you hate to see it. Yeah, you hate to see it, and it, when especially when you could just slice your way into another world with super modern medicine, the mm-hmm. most advanced medicine, and maybe even get new fingers. I don't know. Electric irons just all over the place. Just <laughs> yeah, that shit. Exactly. Uh, so let's talk about Stanislaw, Lee, and Japari, who there's only two people there I mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Stanislaw is rubbing this ring. He calls Lee to him, who's boating around, and he he brings them to his place, finally. Which makes me kind of wonder why he called them to the village they landed at in the last episode. Like, we saw him summoning Lee with a ring, and we Mm -hmm. now know that the ring is Lee's dead mom's ring. Right. Which, how he got it, I don't know. But he's using it to summon Lee. And, uh, I don't know, was that... That last pit stop necessary? Did he need to kill the observatory owner? Did he need to have that run in with Miss Mrs. Coulter? Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Did those things need to happen? Maybe, maybe, maybe he need to get more fuel, but it ended up not mattering because 
he does not have his original balloon. No. By the end of this, he's got some janky ass <laughs> third rate putt <laughs> uh, putt balloon. Yeah. So this bird finds Lee and said, and you know, Lee and Hector accurately, I think, believe that this is a witch's demon, but it mm-hmm. is not. It is a part of Japari's nature that is female in a bird form and it's beautiful. <laughs> and that all those are descriptions of a demon. Yeah. Um, maybe he did. Maybe he underwent the process. We know he's a he's a shaman. He's been traveling around just like absorbing all of the spiritual knowledge of the world that he's basically stuck in. So maybe he did go through the the process to get himself separated from his demon. That's what I'm saying. Who? Japari? Japari. John Perry? Yeah. Maybe. Oh, oh, I get it. Japari, John Perry, Japari, John Perry. I'm figuring that- this out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry. I mean, again, they credit him as John Perry in the show. So no, no, in the credits. I mean, we all know that's his name, and Japari is okay. what he's called. So you know, yeah, it makes I don't sense. know. I just why... figured it out just now. <laughs> I so at this point, the only person who his identity is hidden from is Lee. Lee doesn't know these John Perry, but also he doesn't know who the fuck John Perry is anyway. So why does he it matter? He can't handle the truth yet. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, I see. It's right. a full Al Pacino. Why not just go John Perry? You don't know the difference. Yeah, John you don't Perry know Will. Just, uh, uh, so strange. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, because at this point in the books, I don't think you're supposed to know that that's Will's dad. Okay. Okay. I, or at so the very least, it's not. Thing. It's not quite explicit yet. But we already know that it is. So I don't know why they're still going through this this whole three name shuffle. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I kind of get it. If you're going to recontextualize it in the terms of the show, then mm-hmm. you need to have this person reinventing themselves and, you know, learning and growing and having new identities in the d- many different worlds he inhabits. That that kind of makes sense. I see. It's more of an evolution of his, right. his vision of himself. Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, okay. that's, yeah, that's what I'm getting. You just yeah. blew my mind a little bit. No, you're totally right. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, Japari is his new name, and Man Bun is his new game. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> yep. It's uh, some game you got there. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to gather up Jim's hair someday when he's not paying attention to a little Man Bun. <laughs> We're like two months away. We're two months away without him getting Erica to Man Bun. Yes, so, do it. Mark it on your calendar. <laughs> when Aaron's beard gets long enough, I like to braid it. Like a Viking oh, style. Glorious, it's yeah. so fun. So fun to play with people's hair. Sure is. It's it's nice to see that they finally met each other. Um, uh, more questions for you. How did, how did you know, how did uh, John Perry get his, Lee's mom's dead, or dead mom's ring? How is this? Uh, uh, yeah, just so many questions. How many worlds... The- <laughs> You know, how many worlds has Jopari been to? Right. Uh, how many worlds have demons? How many worlds have witches? Mm-hmm. How did he get his powers? If he's from a world that does not have demons, how does he have a demon now? Is that just uh, a thing that happens whenever you cross over into that world? And if that's the case, then who else has cool demons? Will we get to see them? Like, will Mary Malone have a demon? 
Oh, yeah. So if, if like, she ever crossed over, if Will Perry and Mary Malone go over to Lyra's original world, will they mm-hmm. be automatically assigned a demon? Will it be fully right. formed or will it have some time to like change and adapt? And, you know, because you have that time to do that before puberty. So do they start mm-hmm. with, boom, we know who you are because you're what what maketh a man or a woman? <laughs> Is it your emotional intelligence? Is it literal right. puberty? You start your period and boom, your <laughs> demon settles. I just don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's you have to take you have to take a lot of stuff on. I don't want to say faith, but you have to sort of just go with it in some ways. All right, going with it. So it is a bit of a it is a little bit of a spoiler. To, oh, okay. To answer that, but those question. will be questions that are answered. That's nice to know. Yeah. Yeah, mm. they are in the book. Okay, <laughs> I will see. I will see what happens with the show. Okay, something, something witches. I don't know. So, if we surpass some book knowledge, will you? Will you inform us as the audience yeah, totally. who haven't read the books? Okay, totally. I'll tell you um, when we have scenes that weren't in the book, also, which I should have done in the last episode, and I didn't. <laughs> That's fine. Whatever. Uh, so. Lee is from the country of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> country, eh? All right. That is what he says. That is what he says. Uh, so they explained it, the differences between being summoned by your mother's ring and risking your perfect complexions, which is a nice little <laughs> uh, a, a wink at the audience, I think. You know, noticing the difference between Lin-Manuel and Sam Elliott. Hmm. Or maybe I'm reading too much into that. <laughs> or maybe it's just the show. Or like a, that. you know, a, a wizened old man versus <laughs> yeah. the, the Lin-Manuel we've been given. Sure. Um, he's, he, yeah. I feel like they heard the feedback that Lin-Manuel is much younger than people anticipate. But maybe, maybe that's just me. So. No, I, I could see it. Okay, so Jopari describes what the subtle knife is, and we as the audience, this is where I go, Yeah, <laughs> oh, I know things. <laughs> Ooh, Lord. <laughs> we already know what's happening with the subtle knife and all the explanations, you know, from the knife itself, describing it in the beginning, to uh, Giacomo telling us, or telling Will, rather, about it. We already know everything about the subtle knife, also known as Asahetra. Which is a cool name for that. Uh, we know it can cut flesh, spirit worlds, kill immortals. What we don't know is that Chapari f- feels the need to take the knife back to Asriel. And I think it's implied, if not confirmed in the first episode of the series, that John Perry and Asriel Balakwa work together. In the past. Yes, they are they are known to each other. So much so that Azriel knew to uh have a skull that had a, a hole. Yes, in yes. Its head. Yeah, at the at the very beginning in the first He said that was season, John Perry, right? He said yeah, he okay. said it was Stanislaus Grumman, technically. Stan- okay, yep, yep. So um, they're not so they know each other. They know each other. They're not as in cahoots as you would think. 
Um, who knows what happened to Stanislaw in the meantime after he left Asriel mm-hmm. by between you know when we meet we're meeting him now so many things have changed uh but he does feel compelled to bring the knife back to asriel because yeah, for some reason he thinks he thinks asriel's side is the right side in right this war that's coming right not only is he, is he on the right side but he has some bigger part to play exactly. i feel like and uh japari explains the differences between repressors like the magisterium and explorers like Asriel and they are lining up to battle right now and then Lee talks about how you know who cares how could you leave your kid could you even imagine and Jopari can because he did the exact (laughs) same thing sure did he left Will and his wife Elaine Mm -hmm. and uh yeah what this is a it feels like a vast oversimplification of the ideas of good and evil mm-hmm. because explorers did a lot of not great stuff in our world in the past. There's a, there's another word for that. It's colonizers. Yep. I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, so eh, uh, using that as a defense is not great. I, I like the idea of free thought. Free thought seems good as opposed to oppression. Right. Well, let's not let's not force <laughs> let's not force them to adapt too soon because they'll freak out. But I guess it takes time. That's where you start: repressors versus explorers, and then you realize that eh, there's bad on all sides. Turns out there is bad on all sides. But is there is there ultimate good and ultimate bad? No, this I really don't believe that. Series sure seems to think so. I really I do don't not believe, believe in that. it either. Also, Azrael's in. All bad. Yeah, all bad. <laughs> sacrificed a kid. So it's, yes, all bad. Azrael's like a Nazi doctor. Like, oh. yes, we've learned a shit ton because he did it. Yeah. But that doesn't, and, you know, uh, saved us the trouble of mm-hmm. having to do, like, ethical research. And we've learned a lot and we can make progress. But Jesus Christ, no. No, if we could go back in time, absolutely not. You cannot do those things. Yeah, the cost isn't is not worth it. It's never it's, worth it. Yeah, no, price too high. So Lee makes Japari swear to Lyra's protection under the subtle knife for free passage to wherever he needs to go mm-hmm. to continue to. Actually, I don't know where they're going. They're gonna search for the knife bearer. Is their I, goal right now? Yes, that is their goal. That's not can't help but notice that's not a place. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not really a destination so much as it is a, a goal a journey. of the journey. <laughs> <laughs> sure. As I've heard, the journey is the more important part. Exactly. Uh mm. yeah. I mean it's it's I mean Lee knows better, right? You can't the the guy doesn't have the knife. He knows the bearer right. of the knife is in charge of their own fate. I mean, he even tells him in the scene, if the bearer of the knife doesn't have Lyra's best interest at heart or in mind, then he mm-hmm. can't make that promise. But, you know, they go forth anyway with the the idea that they're on the same page, kind of like a, a Lee and Mrs. Coulter arrangement. We're not sure. actually on the same page, but we are on the same page in a different book. All right. <laughs> If that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, no, I like it. Totally. 
uh I love this this moment where he's like, I can't speak to this guy's character. <laughs> and it's his son. It's so good. Yeah. Okay, so they go off on their adventure. And I have a question for you. What's that? How the F did Lee get his balloon back? It's definitely 100% a different balloon. But that doesn't answer your question, and I don't oh. really have an answer. It looks like, as I mentioned before, some cut rate rental balloon it's like the oh i'm trying to fake it's the it's the the big gray canoe that you rent to go onto the river as uh, opposed to yes. bringing your own yeah. okay it's got all the stickers advertising some someone else's bullshit service and <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when you hide your own custom thing do you think this one's better than his old one comparable Mm, seems a little more rattly to me. Definitely doesn't look as cool. It doesn't have all the cool steampunk trappings. This looks more like a normal balloon. Yeah. Like, blech. Fine. Whatever. I guess whenever you have whenever you have a shaman, aka man witch, man witch, man witch, <laughs> <laughs> tasty tasty man witch powers. I guess you don't really need to have that great of a balloon. Yeah. Do you think that? Um, maybe you will be influenced in your opinion or uh, thoughts on this, but is Lee's original balloon important to him the way that Yorick Bernenson's Panzerbjorn armor is important to him? Are we never going to see this again? Or, you know, just he's an aeronaut, any balloon will do. It, he was probably pretty sore about losing his balloon, mostly because it had ways to steer it and this new one does not it's just a hot balloon oh, where his old balloon had it's got a uh, shaman inside to steer it <laughs> <laughs> yes but here's the thing shaman could fall out oh. and if that happens then mm. you're just floating you're just at the whim of the wind whim the, the, the wind. natural wind nobody wants that nobody wants that but uh, Japari does guide the balloon at the 11th hour in the right direction by, you know, clicking his fingers or whatever. <laughs> by two, it's some, yeah, some very important hooded work. <laughs> it's the only kind of work. It's the kind of work you can only do if your eyes are hidden. All right. Got to hide the eyes, got to tattoo the yep. fingers, and you're golden. <laughs> okay. Do you have any more thoughts on Lee and Japari's uh, journey here? Or... I don't know that... That's why I was going to say, I don't know that Japari uh, survived with his humor intact enough to be able to really have fun with Lee. I don't think Lee's going to get to banter the way he likes to, which maybe, is a shame. I love Lee's he'll bring banter. it back. Maybe he'll reawaken that that perfectly complected spirit. I don't know. <laughs> I do maybe, love... Or- as like a meta note, I do love Andrew Scott's performance here. It's not something i've ever seen before um in what way i guess i was expecting him to be his usual self which is very charming and cute but he's just got this he's got this edge to him that um that i haven't really seen in andrew scott's performances before yeah yeah i thought it i thought it would be kind of -of run-of-the-mill but I, i i did enjoy what he was doing with this character this is my first introduction to Andrew Scott, oh. so this will be my definitive Andrew Scott. So now I'm very excited. I get to go the other way. I get to get the other one's apparently a marshmallow. 
Is that what I'm hearing? Marshmallow? Just soft. Oh. Soft, sweet, squishy boy. I don't... I mean, yeah, kind of. I wouldn't call him... I wouldn't call him that. I would call Jack Black Marshmallow. I would say Andrew Scott is just... Graham Cracker. <laughs> He's very sweet. He's got a little crunch. Most people know him from uh, Fleabag, where he plays the hot priest, who's got mm-hmm. a lot of edge to him. Okay. But it's it surprises you. Hmm. It, it really surprises you because it you know it sneaks up on you how intuitive he is and how how it, how perceptive he is, and not in the ways you'd expect. It sneaks up on you. I've, I think uh, I may need to watch this show. Yeah, you should. <laughs> so short intrigued. episodes, only two seasons. I think you'd love it. And you know, the only uh, no, I've seen him in a lot of things, but the other thing that really stands out to me is him playing uh, Moriarty on Sherlock Holmes. Hmm. So he plays this interesting, this very handsome devil. So this is this very. Oh, I do like a handsome devil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like Sherlock Holmes a lot too. Watch that if you guys have time. In between Never. episodes of His Dark Materials, of course. <laughs> yeah, this is this is very different. This is this gritty, real type of character who's all knowing, but so 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 uh, underinformed. <laughs> uh. All right, are we ready to move on to the next section of characters that I want to talk about is Boreal. Yeah, let's do it. Boreal, he's got a lot going on. He goes to visit Mary Malone's office, and we see that her colleague, the one that I asked about in the last episode, who should have been present for Lyra's visit, for all Mm -hmm. the evidence that he's requesting in this episode, he should have been there for it, but instead he's selling them out to Boreal hoping that he will privately invest. But Boreal wants to, you know, take this to a new level. You could take that consciousness and apply it to further applications, such as military defense. Mm-hmm. Which, yes, Mary Malone, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, no, I am totally with her. As soon as, as soon as those words come out of his mouth, she stands up and says, get out. <laughs> Yeah. In so many words. And he's already started off on a bad foot because he admires women with a good work ethic. Ugh. And for fuck's yeah. sake, I, I kind of liked Boreal because I thought he respected women a little bit more. Mm. But it, it turns out, based on his actions towards Mary and towards Mrs. Coulter in this episode, mm-hmm. that no, he was just entertaining women, making them think they were smart and clever when he really thinks that he's smarter and cleverer but he's not. <laughs> no, no. And I think, I mean, plot-wise, it seems like he's stretching himself kind of thin. Mm-hmm. With all these, all these, uh, what do you call it? Sticks in the fire? That's not Yeah. It. All these that's pots in the fire. Is it pots in mm, the fire? I don't think that's right either. Damn. All these paws in a jar. So Mary promptly kicks him irons. out. Irons. It's got oh, a lot of yes. irons on the fire. Ah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> that was definitely worth interrupting you it for. Was. My bad. A lot of irons in the fire, <laughs> whatever that means. Yeah. Um. So, you know, 
her call Mary Malone's colleague who I don't think we caught his name and who cares honestly it's Oliver yeah fuck him um <laughs> you <laughs> know agree. he accuses her of not having evidence to to prove to him specifically that things were happening but it doesn't it doesn't matter if he had showed up or not their only investor is Boreal and they're saying fuck that to him mm-hmm. so you know she is at least Right. I don't know how I don't know how evenly split the control is over this project. Like maybe he could go over her head. I don't know. I I do know. I don't know why I'm saying I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? It's a mystery. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Me. I know. Always. <laughs> go on. Uh yeah, and another another way to minimize women, he says that, you know, I can't, I just can't stress your instincts because you haven't slept in weeks. Hmm. Cool. Cool, bud. Great insights there. Yep. All right. So back in the original world we started in, Boreal meets with Mrs. Coulter as she corrects the 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 host there, whatever restaurant they're meeting at. Which mm-hmm. is the question I've had for a long time: Is it Miss or Mrs.? If you're, it is. And I have the same question for myself: If I'm married. Mm-hmm. Is it Miss or Mrs.? But my it's Mrs. Yeah, but my last name isn't the same as my husband. Does that make a difference? I don't think so. I think the Mrs. just denotes that you are married. Who is who is Mrs. Coulter married to? Azriel still? No, he, she was never married to him. Uh, she was actually married to. Oh right, right, right. Somebody right. else. Yeah, and they. Had a little, just a just a tiny bit of an affair, just a little, and just just sort it, just conceived a baby, you know, no, <laughs> no, NBD, yeah, and and her husband found out and okay. wasn't happy about I it. I forgot about I don't all know that drama. That's yeah, I don't know if they even ever went over that in the show yet. I don't. They think did. It's going to show up. They did. Okay. They did. I remember that okay. now from the first season. Um, but you know who cares? <laughs> <laughs> it's misses. It's so misses. long story short, it's misses. <laughs> Uh, Boreal says she looks well but not only does she look well she looks fucking fabulous of course always and it's so unnerving the way she makes eye contact with people you know mm-hmm. the the waiter hands her a menu and she just makes this direct body melting eye contact like I would just die in a puddle if she made eye contact with me like that I hope to be that kind of uh, powerful someday I'm just jealous I'm just jealous <laughs> You'll get there. Keep working <laughs> at it. I believe in you. Thank you. So Boreal reveals that Lyra isn't in an Oxford, but not of this side of the world. And also says that there are secret doors to get in between worlds. And he, he implies that he's trapped Lyra and Will, but he hasn't really, but he kind of has. Because I mean, he's, he's, he's trapped them in an agreement, right? Right. They he knows and he's right that they're not going to continue on or give up on the alethiometer. Mm-hmm. So they'll be back in some kind of way, and hopefully they will exchange the knife for that. And that's the kind of trap he's set. So I guess that means that Mrs. Coulter is going over with Boreal to lay in wait for that trap to be sprung. Um. Right. Yeah. And. During this conversation, he 
caresses Mrs. Coulter with a snake. With this, with this, and she spanks her monkey in return. And out of context, that sounds really. She squeezes. She squeezes her (laughs) monkey. To be fair, less of a spank, more of a squeeze. (laughs) Uh, She spanks, squeezes her monkey. She just, you know, she engages her monkey at least while he's caressing Mm -hmm. her with the snake. Another scene that makes me feel piteously towards Mrs. Coulter. I feel like she has used this sort of sexual tension between the two of them to, you know, carry on this relationship, this exchange Mm -hmm. of information, this flirtation, this, this sort of camaraderie, but also hidden rivalry, like a, like they're frenemies. Sure. Sexy frenemies. Sexy frenemies, but his mm-hmm. kind of s- sexual advances, which is what it clearly was, right? Am I? I'm not misreading that. No, and stroking I mean, her with the snake is means something. <laughs> it always means something when you <laughs> stroke somebody with your snake. Yeah, that's like third date stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Just so fucking creepy. It is creepy. Uh, yeah, there's a yeah, there's an app. There's absolutely a sexual subtext happening there. Right, but it's not. Um, there's not enthusiastic consent going on here. It's yeah, just manipulation, he's, uh, and it's he's more into her than she is. Yeah, it sucks. You hate to see it. Yep. So he does show her to. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm going to go back on this. She's used it a lot before, and that's what makes me feel so bad for her because there is a reason to use it. And I don't think she's necessarily the bad guy for using that to her advantage to rise in the ranks. You know, she it wasn't a sexual thing with the previous cardinal because all she had to do is fill his glass up with wine. But now there's a sexual thing with Boreal and with the new cardinal, which she actually absolutely had that dynamic with before. And um, just hard to watch. (laughs) It's just it's it's hard to watch and it's hard to. Hard to deal with in a made-up world that is not my own, but I see the, (laughs) you know, I see the parallels and can't avoid that. So, moving on. I'm sorry. (laughs) You're good. Boreal shows her this gateway to the garden. I'm sorry, the gateway in the garden that I thought he was using to go from... To go to Oxford. Yes, but instead, yes. they pass through, and it's Shigatsi. Uh Even I have questions about that. Okay, I don't, thank you. Yeah, I don't know. Were there two different doors somehow in the same dilapidated old greenhouse? Do you just have or it in your was mind? This like the same door? This is where right. I envision going when I pass through the doorway, and you end up there? Except that doesn't seem right either, because... No. Oh, well, okay. Hmm. Hmm. That's something that may be discussed soon okay. in this in this uh, season, or it might not. So, but it has something to do with the way that cutting open the windows into worlds works. Okay, and no. I want to see I want to see what the show is going to do with it. If they're going to follow like the rules of the book, or if they're sort of Playing making Lucy their own rules see. as a shorthand. Yeah, yeah. But either way, I, as a book reader, am very confused as to why. <laughs> 
why and where and how yeah 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 the store goes to two different places what that's not that's <laughs> is it no nope. those aren't the rules that you've been showing us so far what's yeah. happening yeah i mean by all by all accounts boreal should not be able to enter chitigatsi unless he goes through the original world through the mountaintop mm-hmm. but uh <laughs> i loved yeah, how because he doesn't know about that other one right, right. yeah he shouldn't know about Chitigatsi right now. He, so he does know about it because he knows that the knife is there. Okay. So, yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I wish they had shown him being in Chitigatsi before, I could before see, this shot because it was confusing to me too. Yeah, I'm trying to make sense of this in my head. I know that the witches know about, the witches must know about the knife and they mm-hmm. inhabit Lyra's world. Right. I'm going to call that World A. So they mm-hmm. must know about it. And maybe Boreal has gotten word or wind of this in some way and knows about Chitigatsi and the knife. But mm-hmm. I could see him knowing about it, but I just don't see how he has access to it unless he goes through the mountain pass. Like, And it would be really easy to do because the Magisterium's in control of guarding that facility or that, you know, vicinity. So. Right. Boreal and Mrs. Coulter could easily pass through, but them just going through the same garden door is is baffling to me. Yeah, maybe we should just go on the theory to make it less confusing that there are two windows in that conservatory for some very specific reason. All right, that's fine with me. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it just, I mean, it just, yes, I'm going with that, but it also leads me to bigger questions. Like, who was the knife wielder who opened the multiple doorways? Who was the o- knife wielder them. who yeah. opened that doorway in the garden, didn't close them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we all make mistakes. Maybe Giacomo did too, but questions, questions. Got lots of questions this episode. I love how she sends her monkey in first. Like, it's going to make a difference. If the monkey goes in and dies, right. so do you. <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah, I know. It's just... It's it's a fun way to punish one's own self. And I, I, I so. still appreciate that about her. Yeah. <laughs> her commitment. Um, he says, stay with me and move quickly through the city. And uh, I'm, I, I take that to mean that the specters are the opposite of dinosaurs. And that is, you keep moving and they won't see you. Sure. Whereas like T Rexes, you stay still and they don't see you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You you yeah, know reverse. you know all about yeah, Jurassic yeah, Park. Yeah, I, it's I got you. I see what you're. <laughs> I see what you did there. If you stay moving long enough, then specters can't detect that you're an adult because kids are just full of energy. <laughs> I, I guess I don't know. I don't know these these beings that are basically wisps of dust apparently can't be everywhere at once, which doesn't seem right to me. But whatever. I can't help but notice that he doesn't tell her that there are specters. He doesn't tell her that there are things in this uh, world that could suck your soul out of you. Best not worry your pretty head about that. <laughs> <laughs> and and also, was it? Didn't he tell her he was t- telling her about uh, another Oxford, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. then they walk into this world, so no Oxfords to be seen. Yeah, did he lie to her? Is he just being like, oh yeah, this is. All these stairs, all this like uh, Mediterranean <laughs> stuff. It's a, it's a weird Oxford. It's like through, bizarro he's like, Oxford. He's like, oh shit, this is chitty gossy. All right, I meant for this to happen. Just go, just go fast. Just don't look around. Uh huh. Yep. Um. Yep. There's a zoom on Miss Coulter in front of the Shitigatsi mural, 
and there are specters floating about. And then once she walks away, they zoom in on the mural. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know if that means something at all or they're just really concretely establishing where they are. I took it as that, just in case okay. you didn't notice it. You know, the the viewer didn't notice the different cuts of stone or mm. whatever. You would know that it was definitely not Oxford. <laughs> so is he going to double cross her is my question. Yeah. Because he didn't tell her. It's a great question. Ooh. They have played around a little bit, I noticed, with the the order that certain things happen. And I don't know, maybe maybe they are they are going to go back and do this um, in the next episode or within the next couple of episodes. But they are, Mrs. Coulter and Boreal are in his like estate in Will's Oxford first, and then they come over to Chitkatse. Oh, okay. And I I don't know if they're going to go back there or not, but I just thought it was kind of interesting that it seems like they might be jumping ahead to cross and cross it over through that world but Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah that does make sense and that's all i gotta say about that do you think this is just like shoehorned into the middle of our podcast (laughs) (laughs) but can you talk at all about you know you you mentioned that the first season blended the first and the second book and the way that it, you know, made their stories line up a little bit better. Do you mm-hmm. find any elements of, and this is a trilogy, right? With some right. added materials. Do you find any elements of the third book are kind of being blended into the second season or no? Not so much as far as I can tell. I, I need to refresh myself on the scope of the second book, like where it actually ends. I need to remind myself that. Because when I think in terms of the third book, all I can think about is a certain character's side of the plot just because I enjoy it so much. Mm-hmm. And I know that more than that happened to that book, but mm-hmm. boy, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I know everything that happens in the story, but as far as separating it, separating it into books, I have like an omnibus uh, okay. version yeah. of all three books. So it's not as separated Linear, in my mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As, as you might want it to be. Okay. But just, I will, I'll double check that. Just curious. Because as I said, I did stop reading um, just because I couldn't find the second book. Hmm. Um, when when the first season came around, I, I used my library app to, right. uh, you know, reserve ebooks, which, you know, might be surprising to some people, but <laughs> there are limited amounts of, you know, ebook licenses that they get. So something as old as this, you have a limited amount. And when a new show comes out, then there's a huge demand on, you know, uh, renting, not renting, borrowing in library terms, these books. So <laughs> I found some paperback copies at half price books for the first and second book but not, mm-hmm. I mean, sorry, the first and third book, but not the second book. So yeah. um, I own those other two, but I never got around <laughs> to reading the second one. And I figured, you know what? I figured, let's just take this in a Jim and Aaron approach. And I'm just going to stay, you know, book spoiler free for the next two seasons. Assuming there just will be two seasons, which makes sense. I think so. And uh, you can have all that book spoiler knowledge. That works for me. That helps me 
keep things separate in my mind too because if you don't know something there's a good chance that it's because it was in the book and i know to shut that up <laughs> yeah so. and for me specifically i have a hard time keeping track of what i know what i shouldn't know what it was accidentally spoiled for me type of things it's it, it gets right. hard to you know separate those things in your mind Mm -hmm. So with that being said, let's move on to Mary Malone. Mary yes, Malone's please. section in this podcast. She, I continue to love her and her style and her <laughs> jeans and her amazing. sneakers and yes. <laughs> uh, her immediate rejection and uh, <laughs> skepticism of someone like Boreal. Uh, seems like a great companion for Lyra to have, even if they never meet again, is still someone on her side. So Mary has learned from the last episode in her I Ching and Lyra's teachings that she needs to relax her damn mind. <laughs> and so she goes into the cave and observes it. And then it starts asking questions of her. It starts speaking in a voice. Even mm -hmm. Lyra can't tap into or hasn't yet, if that's possible. And yes, this is uh it's very what's the word or i mean what's the movie oh uh, arrival the movie arrival are you familiar mm. with that oh yeah definitely so where aliens come to you without a shared language and you learn each other's language mm -hmm. but this is so it's scary and thrilling at the same time they i i would be I would be big time pee pants for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So she asks, are they shadows? With uh, And I, I'm watching this episode with subtitles, and shadows mm -hmm. is capitalized. Uh, are they shadows? Yes, shadows are the same as dust. And dark matter and dust are, you know, evidently conscious Mm -hmm. which isn't something we we really knew before they're they're conscious things um they're they're not human but they've always been known by humans always been known by humans which i think is another important part and they're you know they come in uncountable billions dust and shadows are angels yeah mind blow angels this like angels, actual uh, angels, and they're and and it's they, the presence. This presence is saying this to Mary Malone, uh, former nun, no longer a believer mm -hmm. in all that stuff. And boy, now she has to learn that angels are real. <laughs> yeah, I, I, in this moment, maybe I'm very cynical as a person mm -hmm. in my own life, but like angels, there's not even. There's not even like a new word you can come up with. You're angels. So you're literally biblical. So I mean, there, there, a, I mean it's giving more tower credence. There's angels. There's. Yeah, sure. But that's, I feel like those are the monuments you kind of construct around an idea you can't comprehend. But this, <laughs> this idea you can't comprehend is telling you they are angels. So that's mm -hmm. giving credence to the magisterium and Lyra's belief that dust is equivalent to original sin in some kind of way it's maybe or at the very least there there are absolutely biblical things happening 
and these these things could right. be related but they're biblical i don't know i'm splitting hairs here <laughs> but it's like yeah. it's biblical in the terms that i know that man wrote the bible based on sure. things they couldn't comprehend but this thing we mm-hmm. can't comprehend is using words that are biblical it's just um yeah got a lot of questions about that you may at some point have to go along with the idea that everything that is in the bible and everything that people say about the bible is real well yeah that's where you're gonna that's where i'm gonna get hung up yep (laughs) so what they are they go on to say that what they are is spirit and what they do is matter and that makes sense to me yeah what they are is spirit energy consciousness things like that and what they do is matter and how it manifests and makes itself known um and that angels what they influence yeah, yeah exactly and that angels have interfered in human evolution because why vengeance mm, and that is that is very interesting Holy to hear from shit. angels yeah you want to talk about biblical stuff i <laughs> Yeah, I thought I, I honestly thought when I got into this that it would be kind of a reverse um, Chronicles of Narnia situation where mm-hmm. it's the author is sort of arguing against religion, organized or otherwise. And it, it feels like this, that all, all the things we've just heard about are kind of leaning into and reaffirming religion and yeah so original sin and right so i think the world building Mm -hmm. is definitely religion based right Mm -hmm. but maybe the message that ultimately is given in the story it will end up being anti the oppression the oppression of religion not so much anti the again the world building the idea of angels and saints and stuff Mm -hmm but against the evils that are done by people who claim to be religious in the name of religion. Yeah. And when I say maybe, what I mean is, I, I, I think that's kind of, that's been my reading of it. And that, you know, without reading or watching any of this, that was my impression of what was going to happen in the series by the author. And, and that it was problematic in the same way that Chronicles of Narnia is problematic, you know, because it just leans too heavily one side or the other. So uh, maybe, you know, maybe my my speculation is a lot more um, just informed by what I expect to happen rather than what is happening. And uh, this this interaction right here is really struck me. I need to save this for our final wrap up podcast after the mm. i assume mm-hmm. what would be a third season covering the third book and the finale of the whole series yeah and uh i feel like this is an important tidbit to highlight and come back to later because it 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 asks and presupposes a lot of a lot of things I think you're going to get so many answers to your questions. Okay. And you All won't right. actually have to wait that long for them. I don't know necessarily that it will be this season, but you're going to you're going to get more answers for okay. sure. Okay. All right, that's what I'm hoping for. Just promise us it's not a waste of time. Promise us <laughs> we are under the protection of the knife, Alexis. 
You are under the protection of the knife. <laughs> I swear it. I swear it by the knife or my son or something. Swear it on these two fingers. <laughs> <laughs> these two fingers. I swear it on my cute little kitty cat. Oh, shit. There's That's no, serious. Yeah, there's no higher swear. So finally, I want to talk about the witches. Not finally. The witches are the last plot point here, but we've got some demon talk coming up after that. Mm. But yes, finally, in this episode, I want to talk about the witches. So Serafina Pecola visits Ruta Scotti somewhere, and they talk about how Lake Lubana was firebombed. And I think it's kind of cool of the Magisterium to specifically target Ruta Scotti. Like, yeah. how did they know it was Ruta Scotti that attacked them? And how do they know exactly what lands that she commands mm-hmm. to firebomb? These are good questions. Yep. They, they seem to be pretty well informed. Pretty well Maybe informed it's... for such stupid asses. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's alethiometer based. We can't forget that they have oh, an alethiometer right. reader. Yeah. Frog okay. Havel. That's fair. We also learned that Kaiser spoke with Yorick Berninson, and it was true. Maybe Serafina did not know that he was going on behalf of her or of their cause, but she he did report back with some information. So at least their communication is is good between the two of them. They're still keeping in touch, even though, you know, she's somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and they are ready to break into the new world, although it's heavily guarded by the Magisterium's airships. And I'm not exactly sure why. Just so nobody crosses or just specifically against the witches crossing or they don't know how to close the doorway. Any of those things could apply, I guess. Yeah, I think it might be all those things. Remember, they don't want to... Well, no, I guess that was the previous cardinal. He didn't want to, or no, it was the other, the father who was kind of buttonheads with mm-hmm. McPhail in the last episode. He didn't want to acknowledge that there even was a hole in the sky. Yeah, yeah, that's blasphemy. Right. <laughs> so it could be a little bit that, but I do, I think I lean toward they're waiting for the witches or anybody else who wants to go through and isn't in the magisterium. Mm-hmm. So they all together pledge to bring back Asriel to make the Magisterium pay. So there's a lot of there's a lot of onus placed on maybe that's not even the right word. There's a lot of pressure on Asriel here to not only realign with the witches and come back to make them pay, but also he needs to have the knife brought back to him or not back, but to him in order mm-hmm. to progress whatever kind of devices that the uh, the knife has in store for him maybe we don't we haven't seen Azrael since he went through the door we have no idea we know he's gonna like fight some big war or something <laughs> <laughs> but that's it we don't even know if he actually knows about the knife right exactly all we know is that Japari wants him to have the knife back to fight this war and that the mm-hmm. witches need him to be back in this world to fight it as well and make the magisterium pay so side note do we think that James McAvoy is going to return do you think he would have a bigger part in this series if he wanted to return? 
It feels it feels like a big catch to let go for a second season and not pay him something to stay on board. Based on what I know of the story, he pretty much has to come back. Right, but... He's going to come back. All right, hopefully he's got a big enough, you know, break in scheduling and can see that <laughs> the story's gotten better or, or more interesting or whatever it is that he well, comes back Well, they're going to have to... They'll have to bring him back because mm-hmm. of his role. Or recast him, which would be weird. That would be weird. I don't... No, nah, I hope they don't do that. Yeah. So, finally, the last part of the episode, we see the Magisterium vessels are seeing the incoming witch attacks. But, oh, man, there's nothing they can do about it. <laughs> no kidding. The yeah. witch, once you and everyone on your little airship dead, they're basically dead. Yeah, we've seen Serafina go to work in Balvanger, and mm-hmm. now she's going to work on this airship. And even with a gun pointed directly, I mean, it was such a great scene, such a great action scene. Even with the yeah. gun being pointed and shot, and fired directly at her face, she can just outmaneuver it and kills mm-hmm. everyone. And her and what I counted to be about three or four others cross the barrier. So yeah. she took like an elite witch squad. Seems like it. Which seems really interesting. It Excited interesting. to see. I didn't I really didn't see the witches crossing over at any point. It didn't. It didn't cross my mm. mind because I thought a lot of their their power came from the cloud pines and their homelands and connectedness to other witches. I di- I just didn't see them going into another world, being something that they would even do. I thought they would just exist to you know help help Lyra help the prophecy whatever they were going to do within their own world. It seems like. Uh, desperate times are calling for desperate measures here. I don't think anybody <laughs> ever intended to go world hopping, but <laughs> they know that Lyra is in another world and she is always going to need as much help as she can get. So they're going to risk it. And we get to see we get to see what witches look like in Chitagatse. Holy shit! They, yeah, what they look like. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. You know, does mm-hmm. that? Does going into a different world affect your powers? Are your powers imbued within you? Are, you know, the cloud pines under your skin connected to the cloud pines in your home world? Lots of good questions. Are your powers dust-based? Shadow-based? Yeah, (laughs) shadow-based. Yeah. Mrs. Coulter's powers are definitely sin-based. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. So yeah, that's all I've got for the episode. Do you have any other thoughts about everything that happened? That was a lot. That was a lot. I There are so many adults in Chitagatse now. Mm-hmm. That, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. See how that goes. Because <laughs> Will and Lyra already have a pretty distinct advantage Yeah, by being young. But now they have the knife too. So who who can even threaten them? Nobody. Not in this world or any other. I, I, the the knife is such a powerful advantage. I mean, just go to Boreal and slice him up or <laughs> cut a hole into another world and kick his ass through. I mean, yeah, the, taking back the alethiometer seems so easy now that they have this much more powerful weapon. It, yeah, it seems so. It'll it'll be interesting to see them. I want to see them trying to work out the rules to this fancy new epic tool that they have. Yeah. 
It's such a catch-22 as well because the knife always belonged to Will. And the first moment they crossed over, he could have gone and claimed it. But Mm -hmm. it took Boreal telling him that it existed for him to go and find it. Right. Uh, And become the bear. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, uh, as much as Boreal thought that was a powerful tool for him, I feel like he just, you know, gave them more tools (laughs) to defeat him. Definitely. Maybe he didn't even know that there's only... I don't know, that only certain people get chosen as the bearer. Yeah. Although, I, I don't know, though, because there was, like, a whole guild that was using the knife to get riches and guild. stuff. <laughs> yeah. A whole a whole ass guild, Cecily. Right. A whole that's, ass guild. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> this entire episode should be called Questions, because that's all yes. I left with. Uh, some answers, but more questions from every answer I got. Yep. It's a sign of a good middle of the story it's that you're you've sort of resolved a couple of things but more things are opening up yeah it, yeah no it's great um as long as we get answers to a lot of these questions <laughs> okay so finally the most important thing really is i want to talk about our demon updates Speaking of demon updates, uh, you have some my demon, demon updates yourself over there. My demon's mewing, so just just ignore that. <laughs> Don't worry about I it. I will it's not, not ignore it. It's yeah. very important to me. Demons. We see Pan as a butterfly or a colorful moth. I think he's a moth. Okay, cool for cool for him. <laughs> uh, red panda is the ultimate form, clearly. Red pan pan. <laughs> yep. The red pan pan gets a knife. And also wakes up Will so cutely. Oh, <laughs> my God. I want a red panda face in my face. But yes. then we also get, uh, on top of that, a- another adorable pan nuzzle to mm-hmm. Will. So good. I'm going to make a gif out of those things. Yes. And share it on social meds, whatever. Um, We see... Uh, we already talked about this a little bit, but we see a witch demon quote-unquote which is actually japari's demon mm-hmm. who's a a, a a feminine bird so beautiful Yet another bird cool some cool. kind of bird of prey yeah which makes me think that his powers are you know <laughs> witch based he became a shaman under some witch's tutelage yeah but all perhaps all speculation and then we finally see boreal snake Yes, we see Which a We talked about how menacing and disgusting that was. So not a lot of great demon updates, but there you go. All right, we've got some actual feedback this week. Yay, people. If people are listening. People, people love us. Oh, my God. They love us. They really love us. I feel like Sally Field's winning an Oscar. I think they're just – I'm just happy that they're acknowledging us. Yeah. We, speaking into the void. Right. We exist out here, y'all. Y'all. <laughs> All right, so if you have your own feedback and, uh, you know, acknowledgments of our existence out here, you can send those to entertainment at swizzbold.com. And you can also reach us on all the social medias at swizzbold. So Tom says, I haven't really got a whole lot to add to your coverage. Rather, I just wanted to thank you for coming back to cover season two of His Dark Materials. I grew up reading the books and have a lot of love for the source material. 
The first season was a bit hit and miss for me, but following along with the podcast made an already decent season of television much more enjoyable. And I'm happy to say, up to now, I'm really pleased with season two. Oh, shit, Alexis, the pressure. <laughs> the pressure. <laughs> uh, you, you couldn't you couldn't have just left out that part, huh? It had to be up to now. No, uh, I'm kidding. Thank they're you. They're thus you far for... doing great justice. Is one of my favorite sections in the trilogy. All right, so maybe maybe it's them. Maybe it's HBO that's and Sky TV that's got all the pressure here. Good. But we're doing a great job either way. <laughs> either way oh, the show I goes. Know. I know it. We have to be doing a great job. I can't handle anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't handle any more this year. <laughs> All right. Tom says, so far, we've discovered that Lyra and Will have great chemistry on screen, which is really important as these things can make or break shows. They've also rightly listened to criticism and upped the inclusion of demons. And while it's hardly been blockbuster action, I think the character work in these early episodes has been really strong. I find myself growing fonder of the portrayals of these characters week after week. Yes. I said that kind of in the beginning of the podcast mm-hmm. that this season has gotten is stronger. Definitely. I like how they've sort of modernized Will's character too. Uh, I, I was noting when reading through the second book earlier this week, noting to myself, I should say, mm-hmm. I was just talking to myself, I guess. That Will sounds a lot different in the book than he does in the show. In the show, he he sounds like mm, a real person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or in the book, he's a little more, I don't know, it's early 2000s YA protagonist. I right, guess. so yeah. the assumption is maybe he's white or the same as Lyra, something like that. Because it was just... much more milk toast. Okay. I... Um, I have some sort of point of reference for this, and I'm not sure if this is interesting or not, but I just recently read The the Knife of Never Letting Go by Patrick Ness, and mm-hmm. I started reading the books because they're making a movie called Chaos Walking that comes out in January, and I read the cast list, and they made the cast list very diverse and inclusive, mm-hmm. you know, black people, men, women, you know, mixing all those things around where, you know, I say mixing, but you read the book and it is probably implied that they're all, you know, it's fantasy and sci-fi. So it's implied that they're all, you know, white, straight type of people. So I started, you know, I read the cast list and then I started reading the book with the, with the idea that, you know, this Aaron Preacher character is black and it doesn't make a difference, but it does... Um, sort of widen the spectrum of of uh, experiences and understanding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, you can, especially with this like early sci-fi and fantasy type of things, you can you can tend to get stuck in. Um, yeah, I think sci-fi and fantasy specifically have this this pigeonholing problem where all all the sci-fi fantasy characters are white and they have a British accent. (laughs) You know, that's just, that's just how it's always been portrayed. So it's really, it's really nice to see this kind of diversity on screen. It it brings a lot more to it. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense or if I'm just talking (laughs) stupid because I'm white. No. (laughs) 
Well, I mean, I, I can't say whether or not you're talking stupid because you're white because I... I'm just talking myself, stupid. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm white too, was my point. I'm white too, so I, I don't get to make those type of calls. But I will say that the changes that they've made to Will's dialogue is not with an eye toward, like, <laughs> quote-unquote urbanization or anything like right. that. It's more just he, he actually sounds like a kid. He sounds like a, a high schooler in the show, where in the books, he just sounds younger and more just flat, a lot okay. flatter. So Tom continues, I'm very happy you decided to come back to cover his dark materials. The podcast is really fun. And I love you hearing your weekly demon takes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's very important to me that we include them. And Tom says, at times the banter has me in stitches. Well, thank you. We're in stitches frequently as well. In 2020. Yes, I, sorry, I was just going to say I love laughing at my own jokes, but go on. <laughs> me too. <laughs> uh, I think that's an important part. You know, laughing at your own jokes. Other people laughing at them too. Two, two very equally tasty parts of a pie. Tom says, in 2020, I've grown to really appreciate these little things that bring joy. And this show, along with your other podcasts, have become a great source of that. So thanks again. Wishing you a happy Christmas and hopefully it will be a better 2021. Yes. Happy Christmas <sighs> to everyone. Same, Tom. Also, happy Christmas. Tom, I get the feeling that you are from the UK. Because you said happy Christmas, <laughs> and right. that's just not a thing that we say over here. No, I started saying happy Christmas just to throw people off. But yeah, it's a very, <laughs> it's a very non-American way, a non-American greeting. Happy holidays is how you do it if you want to be super PC. Oh boy, war on Christmas, something, something. <laughs> Which makes sense. This is uh, no, I'm not gonna get that. I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna go into this digression about how. You know, I made this spectacular Christmas music playlist and a lot of things say like happy holidays and uh, try to be inclusive, but they are very mostly centrally Christmas themed. And, uh, you know, holidays maybe is trying to be inclusive of Kwanzaa and Hanukkah, but um, yeah, I'm not going to go there, Alexis. Don't push me. <laughs> I'm not going to push you in anything. You're pushing yourself. Tom concludes, P.S. Alexis, did you ever read the second book in the Book of Dust series? I would really recommend it if not. It has some fascinating expansion on the universe, and Pullman gets into some really quite heady topics, at least for me. Tom says. Yes, I, I believe I've read all of the, the Book of Dust ones that are out currently. Mm-hmm. So yes, I have read it. I now do I remember it? Eh, maybe. <laughs> Could have. To, I've only read it once. Is the problem? I and I've listened to it, not read it. So I was probably working while I did it. Mm. So, so I've half listened to it. Our next feedback is from Laura. First off, mad props to Cecily for pronouncing my surname correctly. Well, thank you. Mm. From someone who is named Cecily, I do try extra hard to. <laughs> Understand pronunciations. Uh, just wanted to say how much I enjoy your coverage of His Dark Materials, both season one and season two. Well, thank you mm. again. 
Hey, look at me not accepting a compliment graciously. <laughs> and I'm just it's letting you do. hang. I'm just letting you hang yeah. out there. Yeah, you are. Yep. Yep. This, these props are meant for you too, you know? Anyway, as a massive fan sure. of the books and having read all of Pullman's His Dark Material of books, I love this universe and I'm so thrilled that you are covering this series for fans of both your podcast and His Dark Material show. Really enjoy the demon section of coverage. Thank you. Our second <laughs> confirmation that, you know, demons are important. <laughs> demons are important. And that was all Cecily. So send all of your thanks for that directly to the Cecily direction. <laughs> Laura says, Cecily and I 100% want more demons all the time. And there will never be enough for real. There will never be enough. I don't know why I looked into the camera for that. Like that was important. <laughs> Super, super, super loved Pan's little smile while watching Paddington. The CG is fantastic. Oh, yes. It was the cutest. It was the cutest. Oh, it was the best. Laura wrote this last week, but I'm sure that she would agree that Pan nuzzling Will was equally as cute as Pan watching Paddington. But let's not forget that it is canon that Pan is going to turn into Paddington, the bear, when he finally settles. You said Pannington, and I its I got confused. I started thinking about red pandas, and oh, that was sorry. all I could think about. No, it's, it's fine. Like, it's, it's like it's my bad brain. What I meant was it's Paddington, but it's, but Pan, it's Pan, who's a red no, panda. I, so it's like a red yeah. panda and a raincoat, so it's Pannington. Does that make more red sense? Pan, pan Pannington. <laughs> red Pannington. Yes. Uh, Laura continues, my question is for Alexis as a fellow book reader. I totally agree that inserting the Will story preview into season one was a way to go. I also think the small changes that have made that they have made so far in season two are really appropriate and additive, which is also a pleasant surprise with book adaptations. What do you think? Thinking ahead and without spoiling anything, I am really hoping that they keep the general pace of the subtle knife. However... I am a bit skeptical of how and whether they can pull off some of the more supernatural spectacles of the Amber Spyglass, which is the third book in season three. Here's hoping they do amazing things with Watchmen. I think she's saying that she's hoping that they can pull off some of the more supernatural spectacles of the Amber Spyglass in season three, like visually representing some of those spectacles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am right there with you. I know what's coming in the third series. Yeah, that's the right way to say it. Third in season? In UK speak, the third series. What is uh, it the third series? Season. The whole <laughs> the whole thing? No, so series, series is season. Is season. Oh, yeah. Okay. In in British speak. <laughs> I yeah, I misspoke, but I turned it into a correction. I turned it into a correct word, and mm. then I had to explain it. So all this is bad. My point. My <laughs> point being, <laughs> I misspeaked. I misspeaked so bad. <laughs> my point. My point being, let me get cycle back around to it here. Ah, ADD brain. What I was trying to say was, there's some really cool and weird, and interesting stuff coming, and I am also very curious to see how they're going to do. I've been pretty impressed so far with the CGI. I really love the way the windows between the worlds look. Mm -hmm. I love the animation of Will cutting through the window. That's very satisfying. And it's like exactly what I pictured in my head. And I didn't even realize it until I saw it on this show. Mm -hmm. 
and I love the way that they've done the specters and the witches, and I am just uh, waiting patiently, waiting patiently for the future story beats <laughs> that I can't talk about. <laughs> yeah. I know this wasn't for me to respond to, but I, I feel like this goes back to what I said in the beginning of the podcast, that this second season, I'm sorry, the second series feels <laughs> like it has, you know, has done a lot more, a lot more demons, the things I was begging for, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you didn't need so many uh, CGI elements being diverted into, you know, flying cars and, or I mean, flying uh, vessels and <laughs> and steampunk cars and things like that. Whatever it was, I spent it in Polar the first season. Fights. Yeah, yeah, things like that. But now yeah. we're getting a lot more demons and a lot more variety of demons. And mm-hmm. um, I'm hoping that momentum continues to continue to give us that variety. So Laura concludes, all this to say that I absolutely look forward to your coverage every week. I hope you two will take on more content podcasts together. I love Cecily's coverage with Aaron of American Horror Story, and I'm looking forward to more Jim and Alexis fun for the final season of Better Call Saul. As someone who is neurodiverse and has really struggled this year, thank you so much for making 2020 a little brighter for me. Um, thank you, Laura. Holy shit, thank you. That's so nice to hear. Um, uh, Alexis and I do this for fun, <laughs> mostly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. we are not, you know, we... Aaron and I try to make Aaron, Jim and I try to make money off of the one weird trick and three returns podcast. But, you know, this specific podcast and I'm speaking on Alexis's behalf. So please correct me if I'm wrong, but we're not really making money off of this. This is just a labor of love, something we love doing, love watching, mm-hmm. love reading about. And we just love hanging out with each other and talking about things. That's what I was going to say. We <laughs> love having I think I'm going to speak for, you now. we love having an excuse to and get on mic and talk to each other and just make stupid jokes and <laughs> <laughs> experience another yeah. right experience another human that isn't <laughs> our related to us yeah yeah like it was an excuse before for us to just meet up in the office to see each other but now it's yes. an excuse to just meet up on discord and and see and talk to each other so yeah um yeah we love doing this we're um looking for the next thing to do so we can keep this train going. I keep trying to entice Alexis into talking about the stand with me, but uh, <laughs> it's something we both are interested in and love, but the timing's really not right to do a podcast, but we are kind of um, keeping our eye out for the next thing to do. Yeah. Fingers crossed, by the way, that the stand doesn't end up sucking. I It's... Would you say it was CBS? It was going to be it was CBS All Access, the streaming service, and I've okay. heard from a couple of different, a couple of different review sites that I I, I respect and enjoy their opinions, saying that this mm-hmm. is one of the best adaptations of a, a wow. King material. So I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> yeah, we'll be the judge of that, but not on a podcast. But we will. Well, we're going to keep our eyes peeled for something new to do in the new year. Hopefully. Yeah, definitely. But Laura, you know, right back at you, you know, you're keeping us going and we're keeping you going at the same time. You know, it's uh, it's it's just nice to hear back from everyone once in a while. It is. It's a rough time. And it's it's nice to at least pretend that we have some very small support network of people who care about some of the same things that we do and who are 
going through similar struggles or at the very least make appreciate good, it bad or jokes. empathize or yeah. appreciate it or yeah, make yeah, bad yeah. jokes yeah yeah you got it right <laughs> so thank you ma'am yes, and thanks thank for being you. a friend supporter sorry to out you but i'm gonna i'm gonna read your name at the end of the podcast anyway <laughs> <laughs> our next piece of feedback is from yasmin Yasmin says, I'm sending you all feedback so you know someone is out there listening and that you're doing great. Thank you. Oh my God, thank you. <laughs> it's so funny. I, I was just talking to Alexis before this podcast and, you know, we didn't get feedback for all these weeks and now we've <laughs> just gotten a bunch of them. So super cool of you guys. It's uh, Yes, thank you. Thank you for hearing the desperation in our voices and responding. <laughs> like I can look at the numbers. I can look at the download numbers and I know y'all are listening, but to have you all I'm, I'm getting real country with this y'all to have y'all reaching out to yeah us to have y'all reaching out is a real treat it's a right treat letting us know <laughs> even if you know you could say something negative and still let us know that you're listening but to have so much positive positivity coming in it's it helps us as much as as it does anyone so yasmin yes. says my only questions are season slash book related for alexis do you think they'll cover only book two in this season or a blend like how they did last season? Do you think the show is doing well enough that they'll finish the story? I remember the last book being pretty wild, especially in terms of CGI and what may or may not be put on camera. Yeah. Yeah. The last book is definitely a wild. And I, like I mentioned before, I'm really interested to see how they're going to even begin to portray all the things that happen. I think it depends on how much more specifically Mary Malone is going to be doing in this season, in season two. Because her her side of things and also Lyra specifically, her side of things are what get really crazy. But I don't know if they have time to get too much into that stuff with what I know is left in uh, book two to cover. But we'll see. It's all a gamble. I don't know what they're going to condense is the thing or how many storylines they're actually going to follow. It's interesting. It's cool. I've never been on this end of it. Well, it's not true. I don't know. Yeah. The, um, I, I think we mentioned this a little bit earlier, but it seems like it, it seems... It seems very intuitive and thoughtful of the person who's making the show to blend the the subtle knife and um, the golden compass. Is that the name of the first book? It is. In, in the first season. Like, it seems mm -hmm. like they know what they're working with here. So I have a lot of faith for the future, but I don't know the story, so I can't I can't say authoritatively. But I, I, I feel like I I feel like I have faith in them for doing it. It does feel like the the show is a little more cohesive than the books were. I don't know how much stuff was actually planned out beforehand for the books. Like, no, mm -hmm. nothing against Pullman's writing or anything. I just do think that the three books feel very different from each other, where the show, it does seem like they're trying to blend things at least a tiny bit more, so it feels like it's all the same series. Mm -hmm. But I'm with you. I have faith that they're... They're doing their best. They built a whole goddamn city <laughs> set 
just for this season. Yeah. So expect them to spend a lot of time in there. That's what I'm saying. All right. Thanks so much for writing in. Yes, All right, our, our final piece of feedback is from Josh. And Josh says, I just read The Subtle Knife a week before the season premiered, so it's fun to see some of the changes. Will was 12 in the book, so the specters being a threat for him, here is an interesting development. And I think I asked you about this, too. Let me finish his thoughts first. I wonder if the show writers had always planned to cast a slightly older actor. I believe Amir Wilson is 16. Or if they decided to add it as an element when they were writing the season. Um, I'm going to give my thoughts first real quick. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, Will and Lyra are definitely 12 in the books. But I think Will being closer to, oh man, or whatever the fuck that <laughs> means. I think making him 16-ish makes a lot more sense. You know, the specter is coming after a 12-year-old. It's like, well, there's definitely no question that he's not, you know, reached adulthood or manhood or whatever that means. I think 16 sure. is, or 15, 16. What did you say last? I, I think we talked about this in last episode. I think he's supposed to be 14 in the show. 14. 14, yeah. 15, 16. Those are more realistic ages to be considered, you know, a man or... I guess, in my mind, a man means experiencing really adult feelings and experiences and being able to deal with those as an adult, mm -hmm. not like puberty-based or height-based or, you know, things like that. But I'll let you answer that. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. I will say for my part, being a almost 32-year-old, I look at a 16-year-old, I look at a 13-year-old, uh, those creatures are the same to me. <laughs> they both look like babies to me, so I doesn't bother me. You say that you, they were casting a slightly older person, and I look at I look at him, and I look at um, what's her name? Shit, Lara. Yeah, Daphne Keen. Daphne Keen. I I look at Amir Wilson. And I look at Daphne Keen, and they they look exactly the same to me. They both look like babies. Yeah. So they are babies. Anyone under 22 is a baby now because You're I'm 30 so and I'm close to death. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, no, I'm almost 32. So you I'm two understand. Two years closer. <laughs> yeah, that's, I've got a, yeah, exactly. I've got a pinky toe in the grave. <laughs> Not quite a foot, but definitely, ooh, ooh that pinky toe. Oh, is she creeping? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Josh continues with his feedback. Going back to your discussion about Ruta Scotti and wondering why she, a queen of her own clan, was flying alone with seeking help to rescue Katya, I wonder if it was fallout from Asriel's actions at the end of the season. If Katya was captured in the events immediately following Asriel opening the door, maybe Ruta just happened to be out on her own and away from her clan. She may be seeking help and doesn't have much time to spare before Katya gives up Lyra's true name. In the book, it's Serafina who infiltrates the ship and Mercy kills Katya. Mm -hmm. If I remember right, she also happens to be in the ship's vicinity, infiltrates it to see what they're up to in the wake of Azriel's actions, discovers Coulter and company torturing Katya and kills her. Since on the show, Serafina doesn't want to provoke the Magisterium in any way, Ruta has to infiltrate the airship on her own. I think it's just a more efficient way to set up that there are different clans of witches and that they may not always agree on what is the right way to go. Like there's not a president of witches or anything. Mm -hmm. They are separate, separate leaders. 
and that will become important even more so later on. So it's, an, again, an efficient way of saying, here are these two people. They have different ideas of what the right thing to do is. So one is going to go do what she thinks is right. Mm -hmm. One's going to do what th she thinks is right. And they're all, it's just death. Death happens all the time. <laughs> Josh continues. Also, I do not believe Lee mentioned Grumman or a magical object before the season. I went and checked out his last scene in season one. and There was no mention there. I think they just kind of clumsily introduce it in the first episode this year, though maybe there's an even earlier scene from the last season that I'm not remembering. Um, I think this email came before this current episode that we just reviewed. So mm -hmm. that gives us some answers, but non-answers on how Grumman slash Japari obtains Lee Scoresby's mother's ring and when and where and why. All those things. Yeah, we don't. So we don't know any of that. We know that he was calling Lee. But I will say Lee was at that sort of witch's council thing. And Serafina told him that there was a magical object. I believe. And that he needed to seek it out. Okay. So. Makes sense. And she, she may have mentioned Grumman too. I don't remember. I'm trying to think who he would have gotten that name from. And I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've tried to remember where he was before he was seeking out uh seeking out Grumman or the witches. I guess he was looking for the witches first. Yeah. He was with Egyptians, maybe? Was that the last uh, time that we saw him? Yeah, I don't know. He know. had, yeah, ah, fuck, I don't know either. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, Josh and a couple of others had some very spoilery thoughts tacked onto the end of their emails that I, uh, I really appreciate you guys marking your spoilers clearly mm -hmm. because yeah. I can just avert my eyes. I, it's very easy for me to when I see the word spoilers because I'm reading the emails to just like glaze over and I'm forwarding those over to Alexis. Um, we're obviously not going to read those on air because I'm the unsullied <laughs> and she is spoiler heavy. So, uh, yeah, you guys are welcome to share your thoughts. I'm sharing those with Alexis as I see them. She has access to the emails that you guys are sending. So if that happens, that's fine. Just mark it clearly. Please don't be a dick mm -hmm. and just, <laughs> just ruin this for yeah. us. But, you know, right. uh, I, I appreciate you guys' engagement. It, it means a lot to us. Um, your likes, follows, subscribes, your emailing us. Just every every bit of engagement really helps us and keeps us going and, you know, stops us from going into those spirally pitfalls of self-doubt self-doubt and anxiety and yep yeah <laughs> thank you for sending us your demon pictures too i've enjoyed seeing oh my those. god yes yeah. demons real fictional generated yes. by an app your actual I just, demons I just living love, in your house i just love animals and i yeah. just want to see all of them they're all so cute yeah yeah follow us on all the social medias personally yes. and as as a company because you'll see lots of uh, our, our demons 
I can comment. I won't go into specifics, but I, I do agree with Josh. Uh, don't, as I, I think I yelled about it earlier, don't Google anything. Just don't. Don't Google it. Don't do a Twitter search Mm-mm. for the term Mm-mm. because you will, these books have been out for a while. You're going to get spoiled within like two or three clicks. Yeah. So don't do it. Yeah, for sure. For certain. For sure. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. I've said this before earlier, but I'm going to say it again now. Even if you're just checking for spelling, do not Google these names. Just write down, just write it down phonetically. And that's fine because knowing whether Stanislaw has an S that's unpronounced at the end or not doesn't matter because you're going to get his whole life story in a quick Google summary because Google's so helpful. So helpful that mm-hmm. way. Oh, yeah. What's to, that's the thing. It wants to give you all of the information. It's not going to censor anything. Boring, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, thanks so much, you guys. This was a super long episode this week. It was. We had so much to talk about. So, so much questions. to talk about. So the, the, the question episode. Um, if you have any feedback or questions or comments or anything like that, you can email us at entertainment at swizzbold.com. That link is going to be in the show notes if you don't have time to write it down. You can also find us on all of the social media at SwizzBold. This podcast wouldn't be possible without our Patreon supporters. Um, it might be possible, but, you know, it, it's really possible with all of you guys. You can become a patron if not already, because why wouldn't you be at patreon.com slash SwizzBold. Right now, I would like to especially thank all of our Fred level patrons by name. Dave Satterley, Jenny, Angelo Morano, Byron Rasmussen, George P. Burdell, James Taylor, Lisa Singleton, Jared Harrelman, Kira Grusho, Jordan Hoyt, Arvind Rao, Laura Luthi, Brandon DeVito, Mark Hahn, and Greg Rasp. Thank you all so much, and we will see you for episode five. Thank you. Yes, thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>